The year is 1975. I'm Zach. And I'm Gary. And this is My Marvelous Year. Welcome to My Marvelous Year, a Marvel Reading Club podcast where we go through all the most important issues of Marvel Comics from its origins to today. I'm Zach, the comic book newbie, and I'm joined today by Gary Butterfield, podcasting's number one gambit impersonator. <laughs> I think that's actually true just by process of elimination. I don't, <laughs> yeah. It's not crowded this year. I think I have a good chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you definitely, uh, I mean, you at least got the nomination this year. Mm-hmm. Um, or just to be nominated, Shuri. So uh, we have, yeah, Gary Butterfield from the Duckfeed TV network of podcasts. Um, so glad to have him on as our, our first guest on the show. Uh, and Dave is out on paternity leave. We're giving him some much needed uh, <laughs> time off with his new baby. And um, yeah, so Gary, do you, uh, do you want to tell a little bit about what, what shows, what kind of podcasting you do and uh, um, why people or what shows people might check out of yours? Sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so uh, basically I'm, I'm Gary Butterfield. I'm uh, part of a podcast network called DuckFeed.TV that covers, you know, started off um, exclusively covering video games, uh, but has expanded um, as the years have gone on. So mm-hmm. we do uh, shows about video games and specific video games and some tabletop stuff. Um, and we have expanded to uh, covering a show that I do with my friend Jeremy Greer uh, called Days of Future Cast, which... Started out specifically covering the X-Men animated series from the 90s, but then we ran out of track and started moving to other kind of film adaptations of Marvel or, you know, video adaptations of Marvel stuff. Uh, so for fans of the show who want to get kind of a peek into into that cartoon yeah. or any of those cartoons, uh, that might be a good place to start. Yeah, Days of Future cast, uh, like I'm listening through that slowly and I I don't watch the X-Men animated series to go with it. And it's still like very fun and entertaining to listen to you guys recap it. So yeah, I definitely recommend anyone who uh who wants to hear some X-Men goofs. Um so yeah, it's a really fun show. And I've been I've been a huge Duckfeed TV fan for I think like five years now, something like that. I've been listening to you guys like really consistently. Yeah, um, yeah, you've been I'd... been around, I've been around for a long time. We really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. And uh yeah, I mean it's it's very weird to me now to uh to be you know, have you on my own podcast. This is a, a pretty new thing for me. So uh and you know, people people in our club will uh know that, you know, I've talked about your show and like the how we've modeled my marvelous year a little bit after Watch Out for Fireballs, which I think is like if not my favorite podcast, definitely like top three I mean, such a good show. Uh the video Thank game you. book club podcast. So, you know, it's yeah, yeah, great stuff. So it's, yeah, really uh, oh, sorry. I first heard about this project, the um the blog uh portion of this from jeremy oh right um, yeah yeah you know jeremy and i don't know if this was on air i don't know if it's in a show but I, I feel like i heard you guys talk about it once yeah yeah he, he told me about it it was really interesting because we were talking about uh specifically the the problem or you know not a problem but kind of oh, it's, a, it's a problem yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like to, to, to jump in yeah yeah the, the, you know where to go with some of this stuff like i i really like marvel comics um i really like comic books in general uh i have not been reading them consistently my whole life i dip in and out and there are huge swaths of history I don't know. Uh, and most of the, uh, definitely the, the, 
you know, almost all of the sixties, almost all of the seventies are a big blind spot. And Jeremy was just like, Hey, there's, there's, uh, this project online that kind of seeks to address that and told me about it. And I was just like, Oh, that's extremely cool. That's a great idea. Uh, and I, I do, I think it's a super cool idea. I think doing it as a podcast is also a super cool idea. Having this libretto of, you know, the, the kind of cream, uh, that rises to the top of each year, mm-hmm. I think is awesome. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a fun project to do. And I mean, it's, yeah, you got to thank Dave for making those lists, but yeah. And we'll, we'll get into it a little bit, but something I thought interest was interesting about this year with the comics that we read was that there's a lot of editor's notes in these issues because they're very continuity heavy and they're referencing stuff that happened in like the forties, the fifties, the sixties. Like, you know, go back and check out like young teen, young boy comic young number three, young men. Number Young four men, number, from yeah. <laughs> from 1953 or 1945 or whatever. And it was like, I'm thinking if you're a kid reading this in 1975, like, how the hell are you going to find that issue? <laughs> like, it's gone. It's absolutely yeah. missing. I mean, for me, it's, you know, we, we have the app, but like. The idea of a kid going and digging through, you know, the, the 10 cent bin for young men number four <laughs> is very odd to me to get this understanding. And I understand that uh, what, what struck me about that, which I didn't really uh, put together. And modern comics are like this as well, but it's so, uh, businessy. It's so, so synergistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, well, uh, well to, the to, thing to... is, but is it though? Because it's like, they're not expecting for any of, you know, for, for sales of young men number three to, to boom <laughs> to, to all of a them. sudden, like, would the, you know? uh, cause there's, there's the young men number three, but then there's also, uh, I, I kind of thought, thought of that as part of the like happening now in this issue and the way that, uh, most of the comics that we, we're, we're talking about today, not all of them, have an allusion to another comic that is currently on sale. Yeah, yeah, that, like a that's one page subplot. Yeah, that, that's definitely true. Yeah, and and the editor's notes would be used for that as well. So just kind of like, hey, go go check this out. You know, go check yeah. this out. Go check this out. And you don't really need to. Um, you know, I didn't mm. feel bad that I didn't under like you're recapping it for me right now. Like I don't you know need young man number young man yeah. number four. <laughs> I don't even need young man number one. I don't need you know, four young men. I don't need young men number yeah. four. Yeah, it's young men for anything. Yeah, it's. You know. It's interesting because I, you know, I think like, I think you're right that there's that kind of cynical business approach, but I also kind of appreciate it if you do want that, you know, like oh, yeah. a lot of times it's nice because, uh, especially modern comics, I think like it's appreciative when they do that because some of this stuff is really impenetrable and it does make it feel mm-hmm. a little bit more, you know, easy to, easy to access. Well, and it's so, uh, the editor's note thing, like it'd been a while since I read a comic from this era. Like it's so, it's really warm. Yeah. Uh, in tone. Yeah. Like I, I really kind of love it. Like the, the, uh, you know, being guided through the story, like a lot of times the editor is a, is a narrator as well. Mm-hmm. And this can be, can be used to access, but it's also something I think is, uh, like very kind of inviting. Yeah, sure. Well, yeah, you it's know? that kind of, um, kind of gives you that little inside baseball. Like you are part of the, you know, the writing process. Like you're seeing, you know, it, it's kind of like when, uh, I mean, a podcast leaves in their, uh, you know, their mic check or something, something mm-hmm. like that, where you feel like, oh, well, like I, I get a little peek behind the curtain when, yeah. uh, when Stanley writes something like, we would have written a, drawn an action scene here, but, uh, we ran out of time for the deadline. And then, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's why we're just narrating it. Uh, you I understand know, that. I have deadlines. Yeah. 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 yeah it's an interesting point. I mean, Stanley used to do that stuff all the time. Like, he was constantly right and like mocking his artists and letterers yeah. <laughs> in, <laughs> you know, in yeah. the time, uh, in each issue. So, um, do you, uh, Let's see. I guess before we jump in, so what? What is you know? I, I gave you kind of your pick of years, and mm-hmm. uh, X Men, the the Claremont years, was your pick because I think I mean from what I know about you listening to your podcast, X Men's really your. I mean that's your yeah, group, is, right? That's this your is my thing. jam. Yeah. So what? What about X Men? Like, what's your uh, 
I mean, what about X-Men is what makes them your favorite superhero thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think X-Men uh, tap into um, really easily into like a, a the you know, as opposed to being, you know, superpowers coming from something very fantastic or an accident, um, you know, since the X-Men's powers tie into puberty, right? Like mm-hmm. it's just anybody. And then once this happens, you could become a mutant and it's portrayed as very difficult. Like it's portrayed as a hard life, but it's also as a kid, uh, you'd make those bargains. I feel like as a, you know, as a kid, you like as a kid, I felt uh, super powerless. Like I, I did not feel uh, like I had a lot of uh, control over my life. And the idea of having this cool little gimmick was not just cool for for superhero reasons, but also for kind of existential reasons uh, to have to have that kind of you know kind of power. And it didn't require you know if I'm kind of lying in bed fantasizing about being a superhero, which is how mm-hmm. I spent all of my teenage years. Right. Yeah. Um. You know, it'd be it's way easier to just like fantasize about you know, power developing, like it felt very accessible. Yeah. You're not uh, going to fall into a vat of plutonium, right? Yeah, that is, that's a little you know, blindness cure. It, yeah. It's weird reading through the club this time when I'm like reading these comics, they really tie the development of specific X-Men into specific nuclear th- accidents, which I yes. think is something that kind of goes away eventually. But like, you can see a backstory where like everyone's dad worked, you know, either in a nuclear power plant was a nuclear scientist, you know, or, got exposed somehow and then they Mm -hmm. went in you know conceived a child who became a mutant and i think that kind of gets like pushed to the back seat eventually and i i kind of bristled at that because you're right like it is more interesting that this is just you know something you're born with it's not something you know i don't know you you were you were given by some freak accident right yeah yeah just something just something that is a a part of you like i'm i'm colorblind right i was born that way there's nothing happened you know so as as a a kid it was like oh you know you're a mutant maybe i just just born with you know i could i could fly or i can do any of these these cool yeah. things the other thing is it corresponded with when i got into comics so i, I got into comics as a um there's like a a quote which i think is a stan lee quote it might not be him but where it's like the golden age of comics is 13 years old mm-hmm. right it's a john yeah. Byrne quote actually okay. um and uh i think about that a lot like the when i got into comics when i was an early teenager um that was during the 90s marvel comic boom uh x-men specifically were doing out a lot of re- like relaunched like yeah, there was right. the, uh, you know, the, the that enormous X-Men relaunched. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I just, it was a good time to get in on it. And I got to see a bunch of, um, you know, ultimately kind of aborted, uh, lines, but I got to be there on the, the ground floor, which is kind of interesting because it mirrors the problem, you know, that this, uh, the project seeks to kind of address. Um, you know, whereas I couldn't, you know, maybe I couldn't get a good idea of X-Men history because I didn't have the resources, but I could start reading Generation X. You know, I could yeah. start reading X-Men 2099. Uh, and actually be in on the ground floor, like something later comics would try to address with like the ultimate series. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Cause I mean, my, my first exposure, I mean, I, Spider-Man is like by far my favorite superhero, but I mm-hmm. think part of that is like, that's, I didn't watch X-Men growing up. I wasn't into that show, but Spider-Man, I love that animated mm-hmm. show. I got a bunch of Spider-Man comics when I was like eight years old. I didn't understand anything that was happening in them. Like they were way too continuity heavy, but I read them over and over again. Um, you know, and then I got into the Ultimate series because that felt like, you know, approachable, right? Like I could understand what was going on in that. So yeah, I, I think there's definitely something to that of that. I mean, that John Byrne quote's, quote's great. I hadn't heard that before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he may, it might not be 13, but it's something very similar to that. Yeah, sure. I mean, that, that's so. applicable to all kinds of stuff, right? Like the best music is the stuff you discover when you're yeah. you know, 20 years old, right? And yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and my, my girlfriend asked me yesterday if Labyrinth was a good movie or if I just liked it. And it <laughs> yeah. It, like, stopped yeah, sure. me in my tracks. I'm like, yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, just that's, 
it's a killing sentence. Like you just, you know, you just paralyzed <laughs> me. You could harvest my organs now. Like, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's something we're going to, a running joke on this show is uh, Secret Wars. Are you familiar with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I read that for the club. My first exposure with that, reading that like a couple of years ago. And I thought it was just complete like garbage. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah. Um, but my co-host loves it. He adores it. And I think part of it is he just, you know, he read it at the right time and it just like was just as he was getting really into Marvel comics and it just like, he can't separate that nostalgia. So we're like, you know, there's this, this ongoing tension of, uh, the, the, the big brawl that's coming when we eventually get to Secret Wars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. So let's, uh, let's just jump into, uh, to these comics and let's talk about Giant Size X-Men number one. Um, this is Len Wein and Dave Cockrum writing and, uh, drawing. And this is, uh, this is kind of a big deal because X-Men have been off the board for, I think, since 1969. I just pulled that out of my ass, but, uh, I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, they've, they've definitely been, it, it's really strange because X-Men was starting to get really good. It was a pretty middling to poor Silver Age comic. And then right towards the end, um, Neil Adams started, let's see, Neil Adams started drawing it and started becoming a really interesting comic and like one of the more, one of the better late 60s Marvel comics. And then all of a sudden, just as it was starting to get good, it gets canceled. Mm. And you get like 40 issues somewhere between uh, like issue 60 and ex- issue 93. They just start reprinting Silver Age comics. So there's this like 30 issue gap where these comics like they're numbered like they're new issues, but they're just reprints. Uh, so it's been running. It's just not new stories. And this is where we kind of get the relaunch of X-Men again. Mm-hmm. So um, this is the introduction of I think we've got six new superheroes here. Well, five new and Banshee, which I don't know why Banshee's here. Uh, and so let, let's kind of just go through one at a time. Each of these heroes as they got introduced, we can talk about them. We start out with Nightcrawler, and uh, Nightcrawler is getting chased by a Slavic mob, or is it German? A German mob, German I think, mob. in Bavaria, right? And uh, this is this is like going to become the reoccurring trope. We've seen a few X Men like harassed by villagers, but I don't. I think this is definitely like the biggest set piece of that so far. And this is a. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this is Nightcrawler's, like, whole deal is getting chased by a, a mob with torches. Well, because he has the misfortune to look like a demon. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think Nick Nightcrawler's such a cool introduction to this, because he is definitely the most alien-looking yeah. mutant we've seen so far. I mean, Beast Beast just had his transformation, but that he did that kind of to himself. <laughs> yeah. right, we, we get this weird... That's like the only X-Men development between 69 and 75 is that Beast experiments <laughs> on himself. He doesn't animorphs, actually. He, like... He blew, him, he blew himself. What do you, I mean, with, with Nightcrawler, with that design, like, what a design. You know, the, the Nightcrawler yeah. costume, you know, something about uh, costumes from this era is sometimes they can be real busy. Yes, um, yes, yeah. And I, and I love how simple uh, that comic is. And I love the way that they draw his face always in shadow. Yep. Um, yeah. You know, it's not uh, it's not just how he looks. It's just kind of how he's lit. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he it's not just like he's a blue furry guy. He's got two toes, right? He's got the kind of yeah. like split foot. He's got the tail. Ninja Turtle like, hands. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. His hands are also also oh. like that. Um, and yeah, these villagers try to literally like pound a stake into his heart, <laughs> which yeah. I thought like just vampires or I don't know. Yeah, d- like, t- tomb of Dracula is right to the West. Of you. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah, there's yeah, literally that's... a Dracula about doing things at the same time. Like, yeah. Don't yeah. waste your time on, on Kurt Wagner. 
Yeah. And he, I mean, I, I, I love the part where Kurt Wagner, like, decides he's had enough of being chased and then just leaps into the crowd. Like, he's getting away, but then he turns around and dives headfirst back into this crowd of people that immediately sub- subdue him. I think he gets, like, yeah. one good punch in, and then he's about to get that yeah. stake in when Perfex- Professor X stops by and uh, and pulls mm. him out of the crowd and offers him a place on the, the X-Men's team. Yeah. yeah. And, and Nightcrawler does not teleport out of that uh, that group. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That, what? Yeah. It's kind of weird. Did, like, I, I think that they're hiding it almost for like a reveal later that he can do it because the, the way they portray him initially, um, and I, I'd read this comic, but not for a long time is hyper just acrobatics focus. Oh, like, that's, it's just super agility. And then they do the teleporting later. That's really interesting. I think I didn't notice that because I think maybe I'm just filling in the gaps, right? Like, cause I know what he becomes. So I didn't even notice that they, they kind of kept that like on the down low. Cause also, yeah, you would immediately question. I mean, I should have questioned why he didn't teleport out of those, those guys uh, holding him. Um, next we go to Wolverine. He's in Canada and, uh, he is being pro- approached by professor x in, on a military base mm-hmm. and it's like it's a little vague but he's clearly like a military project um and professor x offers him a place to do some good and i, I don't know if i like bought professor like that wolverine would be so intrigued by professor x's pitch here because it's like come join my band of teens 35 year old yeah. man <laughs> like uh, instead of this government job and he's like i'll be a free agent yeah I, yeah i think I th- he was impressed by by the the brass balls and xavier where like wolverine in this uh walks in and it's like oh apparently there's some bigwig show me the bigwig and then xavier just says i am the bigwig wolverine <laughs> a classic catchphrase <laughs> oh, professor yeah there's come to me my x-men and i am the bigwig wolverine i am the bigwig wolverine yeah. um but yeah he he goes along with it really quickly and I, I know that this is not wolverine's first appearance i know he fought the hulk but i don't know if there are appearances wolverine between no, I think I think the Hulk was it. I think he showed up okay. in a Hulk issue, yeah. Which which is also like not a necessary read. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, you you can jump here. Yeah. Yeah. Um but yeah, yeah, it, and he, yeah um, he breaks but, on out. Yeah, yeah. I I love like I mean Wolverine gets characterized so well immediately. Mm-hmm. Like he he uh he kind of puts his finger up under this guy's chin. Right. Like when he's this military man is balking at the fact that Wolverine's going to walk out and, you know, he, he kind of gets in his face and puts uh, his finger into this guy's chin. But he also extends just that one claw right under his face. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, it's it's just immediately like this is the Wolverine we're we're going to know. I'm um, I'm really impressed by how well and you know, I didn't mention this Nightcrawler, but it comes up later in the issue. How well sketched some of the characters are right from the beginning. Yeah, I think there's one exception to this that we'll get to. But uh, yeah, he's almost everyone like works perfectly right at the beginning. Crawler and Wolverine are recognizable as as their current incarnations right from the get. Yeah, Wolverine has some like, we're we're not, I don't know if we're going to get to it. It's not in these issues. There's like one thing about Wolverine where he, I think he like flirts with oh Kitty or something or, or no, he flirts with somebody in a creepy way in like, one of the like immediate issues, one of the issues that's about to come up, and then that never comes up again because Wolverine like weirdly is really nice and supportive of all the females, like especially yeah. Kitty Pride. That's like something I like about him so much is he's like just a really good mentor figure, and he doesn't you know do a gambit kind of creepy yeah, leering he's, thing. He's not skeeven, you know. Yeah. The, uh, well, there's that history with the X Men. You talk about um, you, you mentioned how the X Men were kind of a shitty silver age comic uh, yeah. early on yeah, yeah and those early ones like there's like a thing in x-men number two when i first Oof, got those yep. essentials volumes yeah, yeah where he talks about being in love with gene gray but she'll it's, never love him back because he's rough. in a wheelchair yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i mean that that's one of those like fun yeah. moments that like i i read that stan lee was you know immediately backed off that and it was just like yeah we decided to never play with that idea again but mm-hmm. um you know there, i 
think there's a there's a, like a 90s comic that that like flashes back to that which is like such an interesting moment of like yeah, yeah yeah that they just take yeah. that like one kind of creepy thing that you could kind of hand wave away moving forward mm-hmm. but they they fold it into the continuity yeah because i mean i don't know gross he's 16 Super or something gross. yeah yeah and wolverine's like 102 well i mean this is also the like oh well yeah that <laughs> that too yeah. right <laughs> like, yeah, that's that that whole vampire thing of like you shouldn't date yeah. teen girls vampires even if you look like one. Yeah, you shouldn't um, date thirty year old girls. I yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> a good point. Robin the Cradle, like you know. Um. Yeah. What, uh, what was I gonna say? Um. Yeah. Uh. I don't know. I lost it. So yeah, that brings us to Banshee, which we've met Banshee before. He's about as I don't know. Banshee is like simultaneously lame, but also just like he just seems like a nice guy. Right. So mm-hmm. like, I like him. I like him so much more when he retires, which is happening in like, I don't know, a year or two, I think. Yeah. Same. Like he retires almost immediately and stops being like an X-Men, like a superhero. And I like him so much more then because he's just kind of like a very nice supportive guy. But this is so funny that he was at the Grand Old Opry, which is something that we saw. We saw this in some old, I think, Avengers comic a couple of years ago where they went to... uh <laughs> to, to nashville and they just found banshee and he was like thinking to himself like you know oh all mutants are on the run they will we'll never expect to find a scotsman at the grand old opry <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and he's walking into you know walking into a, a bluegrass show and three years later he's still at the grand old opry like yeah, he just, just saw one show decided he's just a big banjo head now yeah, this is this is my thing the, yeah. uh, it's the only place he can hide out very specific witness protection for mutants yeah, yeah. So yeah. he he joins up on the team. We kind of know his thing. He screams constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, this is something. So I've never watched the X Men show. Did, I mean, I'm assuming he's in it sometimes. Does he just yeah. scream while he's flying? This is a question I've always had. About yes, very him. much so, and it's really unpleasant. That's so funny. That's like it's... my my favorite image is just that he needs to scream to fly. So like, yeah. If you're just in your small town, you're just going to hear this, like, screaming man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, well, he's yeah. always carrying Wolverine, too, so get the guy with super hearing. Yeah. To, to get heard by <laughs> yeah. the guy who has to scream to fly. The other, the other weird thing about this uh, this comic and this portrayal of Banshee is yeah. he's con- he's the, uh, I'm getting too old for this guy. Yeah, yeah, he's talking about his gray hairs and... Constantly talking about how old he is. Yeah, and I mean, like, you know, he looks like he's, I don't know, 40? Maybe yeah. I mean I I guess in the, the I, you know actually that's that's that brings up something where like this whole batch of X Men seems older than excuse me older than what we've seen before mm-hmm. right like this is not a teen team anymore everyone here seems like twenty one somewhere yeah, around the twenty four um I mean Colossus is maybe the youngest at like nineteen eighteen nineteen yeah uh, I think that's just kind of an interesting like Marvel is getting away from all these teen books all their teens have graduated high school or in college now. And I think maybe they're just trying to, like, it's much more relatable for an adult audience to read, you know, stories of a bunch of young adults versus a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we're going to see, like, that interesting mix up where Kitty Pride comes in and she becomes, like, the teen of the group and the young kid of the group. And yeah, I think they have that interesting mix of ages pretty soon because Wolverine's definitely not, like, a young adult anymore. I mean, even not knowing how old he is, like, actually. Yeah, he still comes off as 30, you know, as, 35, yeah. like. Yeah, something like that. So that that's Uncle Age. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um so next we get Storm. Um Storm gets introduced as she is living in Kenya in this like small village and she is a goddess, like a weather goddess to her people. And you know, she brings the rains for their crops, people come to her to like sacrifice their their sheep or whatever, which she refuses. And this is I love this concept. I think this is such an interesting idea that like a mutant who is born so far outside of anywhere where she'd like understand where she's a mutant 
And that would be Ray's thinking that she's some kind of like special mystical being. Yeah. And these people revere her. I think that's so interesting. And this just like does nothing with it. <laughs> right? It's, like, I think it's because it crumbles so quick. Yeah. Like Xavier just goes, walks up and is like, hey, you're living a lie. Come with me. And she's like, oh, well, you that's, seem, that seems boss. true to me. Yeah. Yeah. She yeah. says like, there's, there's an air of truth about you. Lead the yeah. way. And it's, yeah, yeah it, it's, it stinks. Cause I think that's such an interesting idea, an oh, interesting yeah. concept. Storm, okay, so we said like, I'm guessing, I don't know if I'm right here. Storm is the only one that I think like they don't get right immediately. Is that, mm. is that the one you were thinking of too? I think, I think that, yeah, so I, I think that they don't get Storm right immediately. Like she is, uh, kind of too passive. Yep. During, during all of this stuff. I also find, uh, give honorable mention, to Sunfire, Sunfire joining up and then immediately just like oh my god, I turning love into it. Paul Rudd from What Hot American Summer. It's like, so like, I hate funny. This. this is dumb. This yeah. is so stupid. You guys are idiots. I, like, the I, entire time. I and mean, we've met Sunfire before. He's like the only one of these. He, he's been in before. Like I was kind of surprised, but he showed up in X-Men comic a couple times before. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he joins up. They all gather together. And then it's like time to go on a mission. He's like... Why am I taking orders from you? What do you mean? I'm not going to go on a mission. It's like, why why are you here? Nobody said there'd be superhero shit. Right, yeah. Yeah, I just wanted to get on a plane. And he quits. And then they all go off on their mission. And he's like, whoa, 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 wait for me. Where's the plane going? Like, he's so fickle. And it's, I think it's hilarious. everyone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then, like, at what point does he quit? Like, when they get back? Like, they're done with the mission. And he's just like, no, no, that's not for me. Like, he he says at the end, he's like, I'm not an X-Men. And if next time you ask me for help, I'm going to show you the door like we're yeah. done like you you have wronged me xavier and i, I don't get it i don't uh, it's know very funny i think it's hilarious like i i love that part of this mm-hmm. i also don't understand why they did it like what was the the narrative what purpose what was yeah. the narrative purpose of having someone join and then quit and then join and then quit and, like uh, it's they you know it feels like it was somebody who was like oh like we need his firepower to to fight uh you know krakoa yeah uh however you you just get to decide how powerful Krakoa is. You're writing Krakoa. Right. Make yeah. him one sunfire yeah. less. Powerful, <laughs> right, and then don't make us do this whole thing with Sunfire. Like there's a there's an explicit part of this team, this the new X-Men or Giant Size X-Men team that is international, right? Yeah. Like, oh yes. The yeah. idea is they're they're taking so it almost feels like that's the re- that's the entire reason. Yeah, maybe they just wanted like another little, you know, some representation. Yeah, sure. Yeah, that that actually that sounds like probably the best but, the best but uh, kind of a shitty reason right and then yeah, also yeah, yeah. you know as we'll talk about later like one of those other representation things also kind of goes away like they really wanted to have this idea to do this representation and then realize that was too big of a team yeah yeah i mean and they're gonna do i think they're gonna do this better with the new mutants coming up yeah they, yeah. they become like the international thing and then that actually matters and you know all, all yeah. that sticks um yeah I, Part of me was just thinking that, like, you know, Len Wein liked Sunfire and was like, all right, we uh, we wrote him into the comic. And then they got to, like, halfway through and Roy Thomas came in and was like, you know, I'm just not feeling it. I don't think Sunfire should be an X-Men. And they write yep. him out. And then Len, like, you know, takes him out for drinks and finally convinces Roy to write him back in. And, like, they just, yeah. <laughs> like, this is just us seeing them go back and forth in the office <laughs> as yeah. he gets written in and out of continuity. Two, um, two people just being like, his mask is good. No, his mask is stupid. His mask is good. No, it's actually incredibly dumb. Um, where, where do you land on his mask? Because I'm like, I almost like it because it's got that that beetle, like fire beetle thing going for sure. it. But like, it's a really busy costume. It's a very like hard to look at costume. Yeah, I it's not it's not my favorite. Yeah, yeah, I I think yeah. 
it, we talked about this before, but I think it's like kind of an interesting costume in as much as that like it represents the character itself really well. Mm-hmm. Like it, you know, it kind of wraps his Japanese like nationalism up and that it's the, the rising sun flag and it looks like fire and everything. But then again, it's also hard to look at. So that that's kind of the important part. Um, the other thing with Storm, I don't like, you're right. She's passive. That stinks. She also for a while is going to have this like exotic savage thing going mm. that i really hate she's topless all the time she bathes naked like in the swimming pool at the x mansion constantly and like yeah. she's nude in the comics all the time she's the only character who gets this treatment which like kind of feels gross that their one black character gets this like you know oh she's sure. just she's uninhibited and she gets to be this like sexual being which is like kind of a gross stereotype like over sexualization of black yeah. people uh yeah it stinks which Storm, Storm's my favorite X-Men, uh, mm-hmm. and, like, it takes a little bit to, to get there, but, like, Claremont definitely, like, does some interesting stuff with her, and she gets there, but, like, it, it takes a little bit for them to work out the kinks in this character. Yeah, for sure, and that's the way I'd put it, too, because there, there are things later that happen with her without going into any spoilers that explicitly, uh, support her more modern characterization versus this. Yeah. Yeah, well, it also makes... come later, and, yeah. Yeah, and it makes her seem like kind of an idiot too, right? Where she's mm-hmm. just like, "Oh, I don't understand. I can't take my top off in front of the boys." Like that, that's the thing. Like that, if that... you're even if you don't, you know, if you if you have the It's like the, the fourth time that Cyclops runs out with a towel, like you should <laughs> you should have understood this. Like Cyclops <laughs> yeah. runs out like screaming you because know. his you know, breasts are terrifying to him. And then the, the, the um the 201, well, that's the thing with his visor, is he can actually just do a little setting that uh, puts censored bars over <laughs> any nudity. Yeah. Like, Xavier made it special for him. He so keeps he it on. To, uh, he kept it he on even during his that. wedding night, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he didn't want to see. Like, we had to be married for five years, and that's the big anniversary. <laughs> <laughs> and then the, like, this is, um, the uh, nape of neck anniversary is the first year. Uh, the... Um, but yeah, it, it's it's just even if you if you do have her being intelligent, like you should have her intelligent enough to understand that there are other customs. And f- for the love of God, don't show that scene where she has to be like, "Hmm, your customs are very strange to me. I don't understand why you uh, why you bright skinned people decide to cover yourself. It doesn't it yeah. like don't never do that. Just you can hand wave that. Like she's not meant to be. Like they kind of treat her a little bit like um like she's a caveman. Yeah, yeah, you know, sure. But the thing is, she speaks very formally, right? Yeah, like, yeah, she doesn't, she yeah. doesn't speak, like, with any kind of, well, she doesn't speak with her, like, affectation, kind of, you know, grand speech Yeah, she doesn't have that yet, kind of, like, you know, that high English. Yeah, thing. yeah. And there's a scene where Xavier does the language stuff and kind of teaches them all English immediately. Right, yeah. Um, in, yeah. in their brain, so, but at the same time, she's putting together, like, relatively eloquent sentences, not as eloquent as she'll become, but, like, right. she's not an idiot. And, and you're totally right on, I think it was, her characterization here is not super good. Yeah. Um, speaking of which, we've got last. Oh, not last up. We got still got uh, Colossus, but John Proudstar. <laughs> I <laughs> think I think wins the most uncomfortable uh, character design because his skin is hot pink. <laughs> yeah. And this is something they keep doing with Native American characters. They draw them pink. They're going to do it with um, what's her name, Danny Moonstar. Uh, Danny Moonstar. I was going to say, like, I almost said Moonstar, but I'm like, his name's Proudstar, so they're not going to name two, <laughs> both their Native American characters something Star, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they do the same thing with her later, and it sucks because, like, Native American people are actually, like, red-skinned. They're not right? pink. Like, yeah, yeah, that, that's not a racist, you know, thing. Well, and yeah. everything about him is pretty reductive. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, uh, 
the only yeah, thing the that's missing Apache is like wearing. the bottle with like triple x written on it you know that he Absolutely. carries around like yeah, yeah. It, it's all rough like he's you know just kind of this angry like proud warrior who you know doesn't like the pale skins and yeah it's it's no yeah. good um it's not good and and xavier basically reverse psychologies him into joining jesus like, Christ. Like, it's it's amazing he doesn't even reverse psychology him like right. you john proudstar he just says like oh well i guess all the apache are cowards huh like yeah. he just <laughs> slanders the ent- the entire yeah. uh you know tribe of native americans yeah and yeah yeah it's, it's really offensive <laughs> it's not good yeah yeah it's not uh, good and then uh, finally, we've got Colossus, who is recruited from the USSR, and uh, just kind of all around nice guy, right? We we there's, get introduced. Oh, sorry, go on. There's there's a laugh out loud moment in this recruitment, yeah, uh, yeah. where he talks about his power. Uh, like, wouldn't you say your power belongs to the state? Oh, uh, yeah, as a communist, and yeah. <laughs> he's like, well, how about the world? You know, he basically uh, collect you know using communism and collectivism, like yeah, Colossus. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, I think he was trying to make like a larger. I mean, he's, he's like a Trotskyite, so he, he believes that, you know, there's no such thing as just national collectivism. Mm-hmm. It's got to be a, a worldwide or nothing, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. So he, he joins up and like, I, I love Colossus's that he does come from this, uh, mm-hmm. this different culture. Like his stuff, his difference in culture becomes like some of the most interesting stuff where he talks about, you know, living on the farm collective and the way that like he just views American stuff differently, right? Like, mm-hmm. because they don't, well, it's also not through a racial lens. <laughs> <laughs> which is like yeah. you know that that's where they they get into trouble um yeah yeah so colossus uh joins up he's uh you know he's an all-metal man we know who he is mm-hmm. um so the main story that's like about the first half of this issue the second half is about professor xavier gathers them all together to tell them that the original team of x-men is missing except for cyclops who uh who like makes a dramatic appearance and tells about how cerebro led them to this island that was like off the charts with mutant energy there's an incredibly powerful mutant there the original team of x-men minus beast because uh, he's an avenger now went to investigate and cyclops doesn't remember anything except they uh they got attacked by something and he found himself like he woke back up on the like the x jet or whatever it's called um on the way back to the mansion and, uh, yeah, so you get this kind of mystery, all the X-Men have been missing. This also, like, begged the question of, like, Professor X has been hopping around the world gathering these X-Men. Like, how long have the X-Men been missing? Because it feels like weeks, right? Like, yeah. to me, it kind of had this idea of, like, oh, I mean, they went missing, like, two weeks ago. Like, they're, they're dead, right? Like, <laughs> it, it's pretty silly. That yeah, urgency they... isn't, like, there from just the fact that, you know, he had to hop all over the world to find these. Yeah, and while Cyclops trained yeah right right there's a line about how cyclops spent the time training and it's like oh okay yeah um yeah they 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 go back and it's just kind of you know showing the the team the different personalities and everything as they rescue the original x-men uh who i didn't remember at this time included uh polaris and havoc yeah that that was like a pretty late addition to the uh the silver age group yeah yeah i forgot they were there too honestly (laughs) always enjoy i always like seeing them like i like those characters yeah i i still Um, don't know what havoc does for or no polaris i still don't know actually i don't know what either of their power sets are (laughs) in the silver age it's really like what is it havoc is like beams something like that beams and and then uh beams yeah and uh polaris is magnets right she's like kind of a sub magneto is that right yep mini yeah, mini okay. magneto yeah uh, god i love that we're still like sticking to this like i'm the the marvel idiot and we've got a uh kind of <laughs> kind of an x-men expert here yeah yeah that's good i i know i know nothing about tomb of dracula oh i mean the, the, the me tables neither, will turn so. no yeah. no they won't yeah. <laughs> right yeah 
We'll, yes. we'll set at the kids' table for that so, one. So the the thing that happened with the rest of this is that they find the rest of the X Men like in this uh, in in this temple that or vegetation. Yeah. I, the, weird stuff starts happening. Like the X Jet goes missing. When once they land yep. and get off of it, the X Jet goes missing. This temple all of a sudden appears in the middle of the island. All these weird like hallucinations start happening to them, and they find the old X Men, and they're all like lashed to a, a wall of vegetation. Like, with vegetation. And it's revealed that they weren't looking for, like, just, you know, a superhuman mutant on this island. That the island itself is the mutant. Yes. Which, okay, I, this is one of these weird things where, like, Krakoa, it's called Krakoa, this this big mutant island thing. I like this because later on, people do really cool stuff with this. And they make this story, like, so fleshed out and interesting and add all these, like, levels of uh, subterfuge and drama that like we're not seeing kind of uh but i think like this is kind of a weird and somewhat lame story i feel like i'm gonna get yelled mm-hmm. at uh about this when uh my co-host hears it but uh like i'm, I'm actually kind of glad he's not here for this <laughs> i'm <laughs> trashing this yeah i think this is kind of a, a dull x-men story on its own like if you don't have the you know besides the fact all the recruitment stuff is good but this Krakoa stuff like kind of feels pretty basic I, like oh we're gonna go fight a big monster I, on an island doesn't doesn't it feel like a fantastic four villain and like a lame one too like from yeah. the first like i mean the the first uh literally fantastic four number one has them go to an island and fight a bunch of monsters and it kind of feels yeah, like that it. like because like and there's some real weird random stuff like on the way to fight the big monster yeah wolverine fights a they fight a couple of giant lobsters Oh my god, you know, I forgot it, about that. They're like, yeah, he just starts fighting like, yeah, yeah. yeah. He just ha- I, I mean, I think that's an excuse to the, the never-ending problem of not having Wolverine actually cut people up. They need to show him slash well, something yeah. up, <laughs> you know? And they, and they have the buddy, like, everyone buddies off to do, do the characterization because you just introduce these, these characters. That's good. Yeah, yeah. You know, but Krakoa is, in this issue, pretty boring. The way they defeat Krakoa is nonsense. Oh, it's just, you um, know, that kind of like, if we all band together and use our powers yeah. at the same time and well, storm supercharges polaris with lightning that right right polaris reverse the poles to shoot an island into space like, yes i think that's how islands work i, I don't you know it's very yeah. weird yeah they they love doing that thing where you know like you combine like all their powers combined to do something extra special and like very rarely yeah. does it work for me there was one time where professor xavier was like trying to stop an entire race of aliens and he <laughs> i think Professor Xavier pulled in the mental energy of every human on Earth, minus, like, bus drivers and surgeons, so he wouldn't distract them. <laughs> Specifically called that out. Uh, but then that power was funneled through, like, from him to Jean Grey into Cyclops, who then blasted it out of, oh. into space. You know, like, that kind of thing where, and then uh, Iceman was, like, keeping Professor Xavier cool. <laughs> All this happened. That's, that's so. astounding. Yeah, yeah, they, they do. It, you know what? It weirdly pulled it off. That worked okay, because they had great art but this this is kind of just like yeah it's a bunch of lightning bolts that they combine and uh Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so i think this is going to become interesting because they're gonna like mythologize this so much Mm -hmm. like this becomes weirdly like such a big deal in the x-men like there's a i don't know if you're reading the house of x powers of x or house of 10 powers of 10 stuff i was gonna go uh pick that up i started picking up some i picked up a couple of physical comics for the first time in forever yeah and i was planning to get that but all the two local comic book shops i went to sold out yeah well i'm sure they'll definitely have it again it's like it's getting huge yeah uh i'm not gonna like go read through it because i don't have that much context but i read the first Mm -hmm. house of it's called house of 10 too it's not house of x which is dumb yeah um but uh but like yeah krakow is a big deal in that 
right? Like, it's just that's, like, yeah, that's fascinating. This has just become like, there's a, there's a lot more going on than we're seeing here that people are going to, you know, like ret- well, retcon into this. And it, that's the, the second major retcon. Like, there is a major retcon yeah. in the mid 2000s about this as well, without going yeah. into too much detail. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I um, skipped ahead a while ago and read that. And like, it's pretty cool. Like, it makes this yeah, more interesting. It makes it more interesting yeah. in retrospect. But like this, yeah. yeah, it's okay. I mean, what the big takeaway here is new X Men, right? We've got a, mm-hmm. a bunch of new X Men and they're great. And I think it's here that the, uh, I don't know if it's here or the next group of X Men that the old X Men team, oh no, we're going to see that, but the old X Men team quit. And this is like, yeah, solidified as like, so. This is the this is the X Men now. Yeah. Um. So let's take a little uh, X Men break, and uh, unless you have anything else to say about this, um, no, no, I, I mostly agree. I think it is not a great story. Um, yeah. Which is not surprising. I feel that way actually about a lot, not most, you know, but a good chunk of seventies X Men stuff that I've read. Yeah. Um. But I can't be mad at a comic that introduces Colossus and Nightcrawler. Like. Yeah. Sure. You know, they're they're too good. You know, and you know, I love these this iconography. I like these fonts. I like these costume designs too much to be. Yeah too cranky but i agree that you know objectively not yeah. amazing yeah yeah and i i think i'm somewhat worried like you know pe- people have such affection for chris claremont and i i have this kind of concern that i'm gonna read through it and be a little cranky about it and be like oh this it, isn't that, that it's tough stuff man like it, it is I, uh like yeah. there's there's other 70s stuff i'm like legitimately loving like steve Englehart, i like his stuff jim sterlin mm-hmm. like i'm really enjoying i just uh my my worry is that chris claremont is going to be like great ideas okay execution um, he's, he's cool. just talky like, yeah that oh just, i mean that's that's marvel comics like 101 it's definitely style for here yeah yeah, for, yeah you know and you just have to be down with everyone kind of having this weird like no one ever says over again everyone says oh er, like oh apostrophe er. yeah right right you know yeah. everyone doing that like everyone kind of like he has a good command of some characters voices but there mm-hmm. are these claremontisms that sneak into everyone yeah sure everyone sounds a yeah. little irish yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, in that, you know, no quarter was asked for and none was given. None was given. That we're going to yeah, read. The, the battle was joined and joined again. Like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There, there's some of that stuff that is rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I mean, it, it's like tough to, to argue with like some of the concepts he came up with that we're going to, oh, we're going to see are like, just like, oh, this is the X-Men. Like, this is what yeah. made X-Men so interesting. So yeah, we're, we'll, we're all going to get into that in the club. Um, okay. Yeah. So Tomb, Tomb of Dracula, 26 through 20, 26 through 28. By Marv Wolfman and Gene Kalan. Uh, this is a good comic I didn't care about. <laughs> I, I think Tomb of Dracula is like, if you like Tomb of Dracula, this seems very cool. It seems mm-hmm. like it's got its own little world going. It's got this big cast of characters and they all seem like pretty well characterized and individually characterized. And like, it kind of has this interesting thing where... You know, Dracula is like clearly a bad guy, but you also kind of am rooting for like it's his POV. POV, So like you're you're kind like I think 27 ends with like, is this the end of Dracula? You know, and it's supposed to be like, oh, no, how will he escape? And it's like, well, we just saw him like kill a bunch of like homeless people i can't remember he, he made a bunch of villagers they're basically on loan from the nightcrawler collection right and he, he made like, them all stab each other to death like yeah it's, it's pretty yeah, nasty I, stuff I, like kind of kind of cool like i never read a tumor dracula comic like i knew that marvel 70s horror comics had this reputation where like they're a little bit more uh adult yeah you know yeah, for, yeah. for lack of a word you know better word like a little bit more violent and the thing that was coolest about this to me like you know i I had some fun reading these. I'm not going to go out and like buy all the trades or whatever, but yeah. I had some fun reading them. And the thing that was coolest was like, Dracula is extremely bad. Like he's yeah. a really bad guy. And yeah. you're, he's trying to get an artifact to control the world. Right. And yeah. Yeah. This not chimera. Not knowing who to root for in it is really kind of fun. 
Yeah, yeah, that that is, it's interesting too, because the comic code had that thing where it was like, evil can never win, and you must never disrespect authority, and it's like, Dracula, you know, like, definitely- Dracula plays not by your rules. And he definitely, like, (laughs) kills cops, like, you know, there's, yeah, this kind of, like, weird, uh, yeah, that, that is coming to play. The the thing is that, like, weirdly enough, I think the comics code, I've been reading some of, uh, the stuff that they're doing outside the comics code at this point, um, Mm -hmm. like, Savage Tales, which is some, uh, like conan stuff and it's like mm-hmm. the comics code is keeping them that those restrictions are keeping them in bounds in a way that i think is actually helpful because mm-hmm. otherwise they lean on this kind of gross like hyper violence and hyper sexualization like every yeah. woman is constantly naked in their uh yeah, their adult yeah. mags and stuff and it's like this kind of restraint that they is necessary or that is mandated is actually somewhat helpful but yeah they're walking this line in a way that's kind of interesting and uh yeah it's interesting following a villain like blade becomes the protagonist like good guy to follow here even though he's not that interesting at this point but um yeah yeah i uh i i feel like tomb of dracula is like so somebody's jam it's just yeah just, I, just like not yours yeah, it's like something I, I don't have any real complaints about. It's a little wordy. The narration's like a little, you know, the prose is like pretty purple. Um, but I think, uh, yeah, I feel like if you were into this comic, like this is probably a real fun arc if you're reading along and like, you know who all these people are. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, if you, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if you were, you're itching to read any more 70s Marvel, but um, I think their most successful horror comic is Man-Thing at this point in Adventures oh, in the cool. Fear. Really, yeah. really cool stuff, like really conceptually interesting stuff versus like Tomb of Dracula, which is a little bit more of a straight putt when it comes to horror stuff. Man-Thing is like a really, really passive character who uh, his whole deal is if you're afraid, he burns you. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so it's this kind of thing where like, you know, anyone who fears burns at his touch. And uh, and it just leads into all these really interesting stories where people wander into his swamp and like you know it's like the more evil they are they're frightened of him and he uh you know i don't know he burns them yeah it's a steve gerber comic right yeah 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 it's weirdly i think we're gonna see steve the duck or steve the duck howard the duck (laughs) uh roll in through a man thing comic which is weird from what we've read so far because it's been a very dark comic so far but that that stuff's really interesting and it like it feels very much like the proto swamp thing by alan moore like i would be surprised that's what i my understanding like I, no, I i thought it was going to be like a, a knockoff swamp thing mm-hmm. but i i bet you know i i'd be surprised if alan moore didn't read this and take a lot of inspiration because it feels very uh very much his his kind of style I've, I've liked everything i've read that steve gerber has done yeah yeah this so was my he, oh sorry go on no, i was just gonna say i think he's one of those like uh age better than maybe you might expect yeah 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 sure this era yeah, yeah, it definitely feels like, you know, a Vertigo thing, maybe from, uh, mm-hmm. like, the 80s or 90s. Okay, so let's get into... This is this is where I, I felt the need to apologize to Gary before the show, because mm-hmm. for making him read, uh, someone who's not, like, deeply involved in this club, <laughs> reading Avengers 133 to 135 and the Giant Size Avengers, because this is, like, by a country mile, the most continuity-heavy, like, up-its-own-ass with, like, in-references and just, like, just exposition to fill out the mythology of marvel at the time comics we've read like nothing has come close to just like we're just going to fill out this story so so much with so much backstory um i actually it's a mess on its own like it it is very like as a standalone story it's very confusing because it it feels like it's constantly restarting itself sure it's going between um you know five different threads right yeah uh, and do they tie together kind of yeah you know like a, a little, little bit, bit yeah. you know yeah uh but and yeah and you also have to be for this like i'm a little bit familiar with some of this stuff like i had known the vision's origin 
Yeah. Uh, okay. More or less. Okay. Um, and, but the, uh, you have to be pretty tied into like, Hey, where did the Cree come from? Right. Yeah. You like know? you have to care a little bit, right. Or otherwise yeah. this is just nonsense. Right. And I, you know what the thing is like, I kind of did like, mm-hmm. I feel like I, maybe for the first time in my life, <laughs> I'm like into these Marvel comics enough that like, this is meaningful in a way that I'm like, Oh, this is interesting. And I think, I think Steve Engel, Steve Engelhart has some good ideas here and mm-hmm. they are like told competently. Right. But like, it's not concerned with anything except itself. Right. If that makes sense, like it's only concerned with like, I, I kind of think this about uh, like the new John Wick movie. I, uh, I don't know mm-hmm. if you've seen that, but like, yes, that, that's the most like this movie is just about itself in that it's just filling out its own mythology. Right. Like it's it's a little less supported by like being interested in telling a, a story outside of just filling out its own um like legend right if that makes sense mm-hmm. um which is i i honestly i've heard that complain about all three john wick movies like people think like <laughs> the first one does that but not the second the second does it but not the other ones but like the third's whatever reason the one that like crossed that line for me so still still a good movie um yeah but uh, they're all very lore focused yeah yeah that that was the one where it felt like a little like you know like they've read too many uh reddit theory like <laughs> threads for me but um yeah so that that's that's kind of what's going on here we've got oh boy okay so i think some of this matters so i kind of got to get into it plot wise um there's the plot thread of scarlet witch she is being trained by agatha harkness who is the fantastic four's babysitter (laughs) um she i don't know if you knew that she's uh she's the caretaker Mm -hmm. yep the fantastic four like are like oh we need a nanny for our new baby franklin and they're just like man this house is creepy but I don't know, she comes well recommended, and it's like they drop her, their newborn off with, like, an obvious witch, which, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, so there's a whole big thing. Agatha Harkness is a witch. She's now training the Scarlet Witch to not just, like, use her mutant powers willy-nilly, but to actually use them in this kind of, like, magically focused way, which is a little more specific than what she's been doing. I thought it was pretty interesting, like, she, uh, you know, has a control over her powers that's not just, like, in the past it's just been kind of power blasts. Right? Like, it's been a little unfocused, and you don't really know what she does except hex powers, whatever yeah. that means. And now it's like she's got witch powers, so I don't know. They, they at least open up the door for her to do different things. It's, it's a plus. Yeah. Like, this, yeah. this uh, Out of the storylines in this one, this one uh, is very consequential. Yeah. To things yeah. that come later. Okay, and yeah. And it's also, you know, interesting for, for Scarlet Witch's character. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So and, to kind of be pushing through this. Yeah, it gives her some more agency than she's had mm-hmm. in the past, which is good because she's like she's an interesting character, but she doesn't get much outside of being um like the girlfriend of Vision and the sister of Quicksilver. Right? That's kind yeah. of you know, or the 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 lackey of Magneto. Like she, she hasn't a been support Avenger, really. Yeah, yeah, which is too bad. And th- this kind of brings her to the forefront as like one of our only magical heroes outside of Doctor Strange. But it's also mixed well, in with like it's a mutant power, so. And and also, I mean, even just judging on the curve of these issues, uh, as far as like kind of highlight time and characterization, like you know who doesn't get that in these issues? Thor, Iron Man. You know, like the the big Avengers, God. right? Like I mean, Hawkeye is just in the back, like cracking. Just, yeah, just doing peanut gallery stuff, Fuck just God. to remind you that he's Hawkeye. But Iron Man's things are like you know his his asides are just like tell us what happens next, Steph. Yeah, yeah, stiff? yeah. What comes totally. next? Like he's basically pressing the button on a um, a PowerPoint 
presentation. Yeah. But as Iron yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, it, it uh, almost like, it feels like it's not necessary for them to be there. I forgot Iron Man was actually part of this group until like halfway through the second issue. <laughs> it's really weird. Like I thought, it, I, I was like, oh, Thor's there, Hawkeye's there. And I like forgot Iron Man was and someone said like Tinhead or something to him. And I was like, oh, right. Tony Stark is here. That's weird. Well, <laughs> right? like, and the art is really strange in these issues too, because many times they are so far in the background that the dialogue bubble just kind of comes from like a a shooting star or yep. from this kind of like yep, yep, blob yep. energy blob. You don't know who's talking and except for those context clues. Yeah. And it has a, it had a feeling, and this is something that doesn't happen in comic. It felt like ADR to me. Like it felt like after, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. recording no, no. In movies where they like add in, it's like, Hey, you guys fill up some silence. We, we need the staff to take Which is, you to another magical zone. God, it, it's absolutely the worst thing about Marvel comics is their inability to like, let the panel speak for themselves. Like they mm-hmm. just, they, they feel like it's this kind of idea of like, you know, more words equals more value, right? I mean, you mm-hmm. talk about this all the time with video games on Watch Out for Fireballs that like more time equals more value in a video game and how toxic that idea is. I feel yeah, like it's the same yeah. thing with comics where they're just like, cause so often you can read these and just be like, this would be better without those words. Like yep. strip those out. This is immediately a better product. Like, I mean, it, they just need an editor who's there to hack and slash these things apart. Um, yeah, so Scarlet Witch is learning magic. Uh, Amortis, who is a character I'm not too familiar with, but it seems like from what I get here, he is also, he's like the future version of Kang the Conqueror, I think. Yes. Yeah, okay. We're dealing with three different Kangs. Right, so I mean, there's a the level of. There's Ramatut, you know. who becomes Kang, who then becomes yep. Amortis, and Amortis is not a bad guy, unlike Kang nope. and Ramatut. Uh, Immortus decides to give Mantis and the Vision, like, glimpses of their past and, like, fill in their backstory. Uh, and so the Vision gets this whole big backstory where we've seen before that he was created by Ultron. Um, you know, he calls Ultron dad. And, but no, that's not really what's happening. He's actually the human torch from the golden age of Marvel Comics. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, is a thing, I guess. Like, it's a thing that happened. I don't know what this brings to the character of Vision at all. It's- like, the, oh, sorry, go on. No, no, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't think anything. I mean, it, I it's it, interesting in as much as that it's like, oh, that's kind of cool to tie that in. But it, it just kind of feels like that impulse of like, isn't it fun to make things linked, right? Like, yeah. this fleshes out the wiki page, but it doesn't... Dark Souls 3. Yeah, you know, like, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and the, the most interesting thing that is revealed here is revealed as a tiny little side thing, which is them using uh, Wonder Man's uh brain patterns they've they've brought that up before in the past because like what wonder man's brother has shown up to him and been like brother join me i'm the grim reaper i yes something yeah 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 i can't eat i only have one arm yeah they they only um, they only bring that up because uh like he presses a button at some point to uh to like override his past memories and the 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 button says like simon williamson brain patterns yeah (laughs) it's just a cassette marked it's like jesus watch where you point that thing (laughs) summer jam (laughs) the um but like so i get you know if that wasn't revealed here i wasn't i wasn't sure but at least like just in terms of the vision's origins that's the most interesting thing is that he has this other avenger uh riding around in his brain in a way um, him having this, like, this is played as this really big existential reveal for him because like, he thought he was just a monster made by Ultron, but he was actually a hero that was a monster made by Ultron. Right. Yeah. And he spent a lot of time recapping, like, Young Men number four and invaders and, and stuff like that. It's uh, like, p- part of me, like, I, I, like, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't hate reading this because I, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, there is something that's a little fun about that to me. But then when I, like, take a step back, I'm like, what, what does this actually do for the character? vision you know but it's yeah. like um because i think 
him being created by Ultron is kind of an interesting idea, right? Like, that, oh, yeah. that seems more interesting than just like, oh, you are a robot. You were just a different robot. Yeah, and like, just moving ships around. You I know, mean, just I'll, moving pieces around. Like, what kind of robot? Yeah. Uh, like, I love the vision. I think the vision's super cool. I think his origin with uh, his relationship to Ultron and, and by proxy Hank Pym and stuff is all super cool. Yeah, granted. I just yeah. don't think the original Human Torch is cool. Yeah. The, I mean, the original Human Torch is a very funny character. If you go back and read those Golden Age things where it's just like, I, I love actually that they bring in the panel of his creator, I think Phineas Horton, who uh, mm-hmm. who does say like, gentlemen, I've created an artificial life form, this android. <laughs> Unfortunately, he has one flaw. <laughs> if I take him out of this tube, he's like, he lights on fire. He's on fire. <laughs> Which is like... Did you ever did you ever watch the Venture Brothers? No, I haven't. I haven't watched oh, okay. more than a couple. Yeah, is that there's a, a, there's a good good gag that's okay. related to that. Yeah. Uh, the the other really fun thing here is that um, Ultron brings in Phineas Horton, who's still alive, to work on Vision and to like work on the Human Torch and bring him back to life. And they point out like the date that the it's the date that the Vision premiered in Marvel Comics. It's like September 1966 or something. I'm, I'm not sure. But they say like September something. And then the editor's note says, yep, he's a Virgo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's really... yeah I, I love that they point out that he, he's a Virgo here. The, the I think definitely the weirder story here, because Vision, Visions is pretty straightforward. It's, you know, Human Torch yeah. to being the Vision to being... The vision with someone else's yeah. brain is Mantis, who we've barely seen. She's like a Vietnamese superhero who's like a martial artist. There's another superhero named Moondragon, who's this bald woman uh, who I don't know much about at all. And she shows up and they have like a very similar origin. And God, I'm going to try to untangle this. Okay, so this gets into like big time history with the Kree and the Skrull and like the origins of those species <laughs> of, of aliens where the the crawl were like just barbarians like primitive barbarians and the scrolls oh and they're sharing a planet with tree creatures called cotodi cotodi cotidi yeah cotati 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 um yeah. <laughs> i don't like saying that word uh, <laughs> uh let me see those cotatties uh yeah <laughs> sounds like or i was also reading as cotaddle uh, those a, a lowercase l and that's actually much yeah. better cataddle yeah, yeah. That, that rolls up the, all right they are now the cataddle uh yeah they so the kree originally share their planet with this like pacifist species of plant creatures that are telepathic called the cotati and the scrolls show up and want to like i don't know do gladiator games with them kind of and they're just like mm-hmm. they pick up a dozen or 13 of them they have some weird line where they're like there's 13 of them that's a round number for the scrolls just like what are you talking about yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah it's no, they're having to do a build-off yeah yeah it's a reality tv show like it's exactly like i thought they were gonna fight yeah and i was like but no it, it's here's a bunch of our technology we've created an artificial planet for you what can you do with the technology i think it's the moon it's our moon yeah, well, that's yeah. why that's where the Kree show up, and the, and the Kotodal, Kotodal, uh show up somewhere else, like another planet. They each get their own planet. To try oh, to build oh up yes, gonna, yeah. Oh, see, I didn't, I didn't get that. Year. I thought they were just on other sides of the moon. <laughs> mm. oh, okay. No, no, no. Yeah, it, it's a, a different planet. So okay. the the Kree make their they make a city. Yeah. By by just horrible labor conditions. Right. Yeah. Of course. Uh, I mean, it's just know. just one hundred hour work weeks and crunch and it's, yeah. Totally. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's very, J- Jim Sterling just put out a new video about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very the CD Project Red of right. Of <laughs> yes. The um, uh, and then the the Katadal, uh, Katadal, Katadal, 
uh, they just made a, a garden. Like they, uh, they're psychics. They just planted themselves in place and made this beautiful garden planet. Yeah, which which is cool. Like I like the idea. They yeah. said they didn't move for a year. They just kind of reached yeah. their roots down. They they reactivated long dormant seeds. So they just kind of yes. like reactivated this planet's fauna and the thing that the Cree build is they build this like shining blue city and that becomes the city like the blue area of the moon which again is like yeah it's the watcher's house and it also becomes a big x-men concern Mm -hmm. that's like another big x-men thing so this is like the origin of you know the watcher's city on the other side of the moon which i also i love that like this is one of my favorite sci-fi tropes of like before we went to the moon we just don't know what's on the other side yeah like that's such a fun idea of just like yeah 1960 we don't know what's on the other side of the moon it could be the watcher (laughs) um Mm -hmm. yeah so uh say where am i going with this all right so the kree get mad at the kotati and the scroll the the scrolls the scrolls announced that the kotati are the winners the Mm -hmm. kree i keep wanting to call them the crawls and the screes uh the kree get mad and they kill the scrolls and the kotati and then they take the scroll technology and kind of rapidly advance they go back to their home world and they kind of take over. They have this all this new tech and they become like a competitive race to the Skrulls. And that's kind of where the beginning of the rivalry between Skrulls and Kree start. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... The the title at this... So then they start talking about um, the pacifist yes, Kree yes. who ally with secret Katatals who, who have been around. Yep. yep. Uh, hiding out. And together they go back to... Uh, the area yes the blue city yes yes uh, they fight off a star stalker and every time Which the is... star stalker showed up i'm like i'm done like i don't know what this is I it had nothing to do with anything yeah the star stalker yeah. is when i kind of just started like skimming this because i was like this doesn't matter what they yeah, fought a th- big this is lame yeah i couldn't tell you what that guy had to do with anything it was a dinosaur in space whatever yeah. uh and then okay wait so did i miss this is the catadle planet is that now earth did i miss that uh, no, it's oh okay. <laughs> I was just yeah. worried, like oh, sh- I, I missed a really. So the, what they do? Thing. So the 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 pacifist Cree yeah. with the Catadles say, "Listen, you've had us on this prison planet that was Earth's moon. Yeah, what if you sent a? We'll go. How about we go be agents for you? We'll go off in pairs of two to different planets. You won't have to pay for our upkeep. Yeah, and then we'll go there. And they and then the Supreme Intelligence, which is never explained in this, and I was like, yeah, they just shows up. Exp- yeah, yeah, it just shows up. Like I was looking at the origin of the Cree, like. That should have the, the origin of this, that weird guy. But they, uh, so then two of them, uh, two of the, the, Kotati, Kree yeah. and the Kotatals yeah. go to Earth. Right. And so there they land in Vietnam, like yes. sending villagers screaming. Literally, we see yeah. them <laughs> running, trying yep. to hold their hats on. And, uh, real quick, this yeah, yeah. whole episode, there have been people being like, where are the Avengers? And they keep saying like the, the Avengers haven't gotten back from Vietnam yet. Right. And that yeah. is a sentence is very funny to me, just in like an uncle kind of flashback way. I just kept thinking like once the Avengers came back from Vietnam, they were never the same. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Things like that. Like number ni- 19 was the average age of the Avenger that went to Vietnam. <laughs> right. <know>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah com- like coming home in a body bag. The, yeah. the, uh, the, actually that brings up a little side thing, which is that, um, I wrote this down. Avengers. One of the, these issues had its letters page, and sometimes these are, like, mm-hmm. full of such gold, the letters page. Mm-hmm. But there was a bunch of uh, letters here wanting the Avengers to start writing communist superheroes, which is mm-hmm. such a weird sea change from the 60s where it was just, like, so black and white that the communists are the most evil people that exist. And they had this, like, all these people who were being like, well, you know, as we know, 
you know, the Vietnamese and the communists in the USSR, they're not strictly evil. They just live in a different culture and, you know, not everyone is bad and they have good people too. And it would be interesting to see a communist superhero. And uh, there was like several letters pointing towards that. And we get to see a little of that here. Um, mm-hmm. We get to see some of that, even though we don't see them in action. We see the origins of it. The, yeah. the reason why they wanted to have those uh, communist heroes is because the Avengers met these guys. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so the Cotado plant themselves here, right? And oh my god, it, it's just, it's kind of a mess. Uh, it's th- really convoluted. So, and we've been seeing, this is all told out of order. So we're telling it in a storyline by storyline order. Right. It's all but mixed together. All been, yeah, little bits over four issues. Right. Yeah. So yeah. basically, the Ghost of Swordsman has been about. Oh, geez. yeah, right. There's there's a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just died. Now he's back as the ghost. Yeah. Yep. And and the Cotado explained that. The Cotado... Uh, who are psychics, who are now planted in Earth back in the past, are animating the Ghost of Swordsman, trying to get to to Mantis. Who is the Celestial Madonna. Yes. Which they've been uh, like, they basically raised her, her, wait, it, it was it her or her Moondog, Moondog, it was, God, <laughs> Moondragon. Moondog. <laughs> it was, uh, it was both of them, but Moondog is less perfect. Yeah. Uh, wait, oh, so Moon, Moondra- Moondog failed. Like, it was like a reality TV thing. And yeah. Moondog. Moondragon was was one of the options, and Mantis was the other one, and Mantis is the more perfect one. Right, and so like she's this perfectly bred human being who now needs to breed with the Kotati yeah. to create like the you know I don't know Jesus like the it, next it's Jesus like the like, ultimate like, human. Right, yeah, I mean, which yeah. you know what honestly we've had Adam Warlock exists at this point, so yeah. they've already <laughs> this ground has already been tread. Like I just want Adam Warlock to to you know peek just, behind hello. a tree and like, yeah. uh, <laughs> like hello. <laughs> I'm Adam. Yeah. Uh, it's it's very uh, it's very weird. There's one really good little bit of dialogue dialogue there, like where like Moon Dragon is really upset, you know, for a second about not being chosen, and someone says like, or she's like, oh, so I'm not, uh, so I'm the less perfect one, you know, so I'm a failure. Yeah. And uh, the Cotadel says like, you're not a failure, failure. You just weren't chosen, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of a good little bit of dialogue. Like it feels like there's some wisdom in that. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like sure. if you take that in terms of like any kind of contest. Or, or, or especially in terms of like being, I don't know, th- these power fantasies, right? That like yeah. all, all these things are all about like chosen ones, right? And you know, yeah. like that that is some kind of uh, special position, right? There were like that means something really special about you that you were chosen, which by implication well, means that if you're not, you're lesser. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It, like if that's the bar to clear, that's too high of a bar. Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. Setting for yourself, yeah, you know. So yeah. I think that's kind of cool. That's a that's a good point. Um, While that's all happening. Uh, so she has to marry the tree, but yep. also there are Kangs about. Oh, I, I don't need, do we even need to talk about the Kang? I like, don't think so. I think I the just... Kang is inconsequential to this. Like, uh, weird. I mean, he like kidnaps Mantis, but it's not Mantis. It's like another character I've never heard of who shows up yeah. uh, like in a box. I, I, well, the, I couldn't I think care. it is Mantis. It's through time travel stuff, but it it's nonsense. Cause, and then, but also, hey. Guess what? Dormammu is around. God, it, it's just like <laughs> Steve Steve Englehart is just like, all right, I'm going to use literally every secondary character in the Marvel Universe. Like anyone who doesn't have their own comic, who's like not the title leading, you know, mm-hmm. Spider-Man Fantastic Four, I'm going to leave them out. Everybody else gets yep. woven into this. And yeah, so Dormammu is kidnapped the Scarlet Witch because she's a source of power now. The Vision needs to save her. That's kind of all you need to know. Like the vision, yeah. the vision goes and saves her, uh, cuts Dormammu off from his source of lava, which he says is like <laughs> important. Yeah. To, you know, if he doesn't yeah. have lava about, he's uh, 
I don't know. That's how you can you can bargain with Dormammu, and it leads up to the double wedding, right? Where they like I I love how little resistance Mantis puts up to like they're like all right, well you need to consummate (laughs) this relationship with the tree. I lost it at that point. I I was like the whole thing. I was so bored and a little confused. Especially just, that uh, last that last issue got like so much worse because the art by Don Heck got like oh, maybe yeah. maybe the worst art I've ever read in a Marvel comic so far. Like it was some of the sloppiest, most like Thor's face was literally like two dots in a straight line. <laughs> like it's that really bad. Yeah, it's really bad. Art. Really, really bad and confusing. And then I'm just kind of reading. I'm trying to pay attention, and all of a sudden, it's like you had to marry this tree. You know, the perfect tree. And, uh, you know, I gave, it was a gift to give you the ghost of swordsmen, mm-hmm. but really it's me. Because we, we, you're horny for swordsmen. So we, you Wait, know. Can you transfer that horniness to tree? Yep. You know? <laughs> and <laughs> just she's like, just like, no, no. All right. No. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess if it's for, yeah. it's for a tree, but the, the reason she acquiesces is they use psychic powers to show her how good of a person the tree is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So and then she she's like, like immediate... you're a really good dude. You're, so. you're one of my best trees I've ever met. Like. <laughs> quite possibly on the scale of trees like you're one of the you're definitely top 10 trees i've ever met and i don't think i'm gonna do better insofar as trees yeah so, I've, I've never been horny for a tree before i'm yeah. horny for this tree uh yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i mean they love how they kind of dance around like i mean they talk a lot about how like i mean you will need to get impregnated by the tree yeah but then you know they do People that they do kind of a hard cut away from uh you know, needing to get any more explicit from that. Because once they get married, they both kind of just vanish into particles to be, you know, yeah. to, to go to the bedroom. Um, yep. Or the arboreum, I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and then also we get Vision and Scarlet Witch getting married here, which is nice. That relationship is like very odd. It's been, it's since the beginning, it's one of these relationships that just kind of works through persistence of like mm. Marvel insisting that it's a thing. <laughs> You know, despite the fact that they never quite sold you on why it's a thing. Eventually, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, like they do kind of work well together, right? Like they are kind of an interesting. I mean, it's interesting, if nothing else, that like it's definitely the the, I don't know. It's better than Reed and Sue Storm. Like at this point, they're pretty boring at this point. Yeah, I have a lot of affection for both characters. So like, yeah, it's, it's easy for me to and I've always just kind of known them as a couple. And there are later cool things that happen with this. Yeah, sure. You know? Uh, so yeah, it, it works for me based a lot on even just inertia for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like that's weirdly a thing that works in Marvel comics quite a bit is, you know, just that kind of like, it is for so long that it becomes like, yeah, like, I guess I kind of like that. Like they they kind of brainwash you by or gaslight you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a lot. That was like, I, I mean, thank you very much for making it through <laughs> those issues no, no with problem. me. Cause that was, I feel like you, uh, you maybe had a slightly better grasp on what was happening than I did. Like, I, I still don't know They're what Moon Dragon. They're very fresh in my mind. Oh, I mean, like, we, I just, we I also, them today and... there's probably a lot that we didn't touch on there. Like, I mean, Moon Dragon, either Moon Dragon or Mantis was actually like a, a little human girl who got snatched up from, like her parents died by, in a by, car crash, and then by Thanos, right? She's yeah. she's the priestess of Titan. That's right. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. Moon Dragon. Yep. And like, yep. Th- yeah, Thanos is in here now. It's like there's there's a lot. It's just a lot. And and meanwhile, you know, the worst part <laughs> is Hawkeye. The entire time yeah. is just like, uh, actually, he had one good joke, which was Amortis told them all to grasp this staff, and Hawkeye's like, I was at the Playboy Club and I tried to grasp the staff grasp there, the staff. like, yeah. which is like disgusting, but also like, all right, that's. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's a good and joke. Iron Man's like, you know, enough. 
Oh, no, the, the narration, because he trails off dot, 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 and the actual narration says, oh, like, right, yeah. you know, best this be lost to the annals of time. Like, the rest yeah. of his sentence <laughs> you know, is gone. <laughs> we, we, we have to, you know, uh, hey, hey, kids, we have a PowerPoint presentation from a stick that we have to watch. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, right. Let's not, yeah. let's not do this. But, like, the entire yeah. the entire time, Hawkeye is just, like, you know, the, the stick tells them the Kree are a, a warlike race of barbarians. And Hawkeye's like, you talking about the Kree or my ex-wife? And everyone's just <laughs> like, shut the f*** up, Hawkeye. <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, imagine knowing Hawkeye in this. Yeah, like, he's... I, oh, sorry, go, go ahead. You know, like, I have a weird, like, you know, it's very popular to hate Hawkeye now because of the movies and because people hate J- Jeremy Renner. Yeah. Always had, like, a little bit of affection for the character. Oh, Dave, Dave does, in, too. Yeah. Yeah. It, even in this uh, thing where he's, like, definitely kind of a shit. Mm-hmm. He just stands out because he's, like, at least he's trying. Yeah. Yep. Like, he's he's making jokes. He's has a personality. Whereas the other characters kind of don't. And t- Tony Stark like definitely of- doesn't have... He- Tony Stark is no. still the one who doesn't have any personality. Oh, he gets one cool line here, though, where he's, like, watching the Kree take over yeah. the world. And he says, man, this makes me feel bad about all the munitions and weapons Stark Industry has sold over the year. Like, this yeah. is, like, the first acknowledgement I've seen of him saying, like, hey, maybe it's not good to be a uh, weapons manufacturer. A weapons dealer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is a cool thing that's dealt with later in, in oh Iron yeah Man, yeah that, Iron Man comics I've read. This is like the first hint um, hint of that. Yeah, Hawkeye Hawkeye at this point is playing like the Al Bundy of the Avengers. Yes. Like his role is explicitly to be the misogynist. Uh, yes, like and which, he which he is the sucks. one. Yeah, it does, and it kind of feels like the way that they get their stabs in it, like feminism, which is enormous right now, right? Like feminism is the yeah, the cultural liberation. movement, and Hawkeye gets. The, Hawkeye walked in on Scarlet Witch in one of these issues we read earlier and uh and just grabbed her and kissed her and said like how's the how's the mother of my future brood of witches doing and it, and it was something like that and and it's like this is you're not a couple what are you talking about yeah that's yeah. really that's pretty gross I mean, maybe I take it back maybe I don't know oh no 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 not <laughs> the, the, no no it's it's well the other thing too and I just cuz I don't want you to get added the other important thing here that yeah. happens is uh Thor considers abdicating leadership of the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I for, I forgot about that. Yeah, they talked about Captain America. Because Captain America Copton. That was an accident, cop. but it's also true. <laughs> Captain America is now a cop. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he's Copton America. Uh, and uh, yeah, he's a cop right now for I don't know why. Like it's reasons. Yeah, yeah. It it's weird. Um so yeah, that's the Avengers. Let's get back into some X-Men. Um mm-hmm. this is where Chris Claremont starts his X-Men run with 94 and 95. Starts out with Sunfire quitting immediately, <laughs> stomping out and being yeah. like, you know, this is not what I signed up for being an X-Men. Like, Professor X is no, just like... No one has any idea what you signed up for. literally what I told you what you were going to do. Yep. And, yeah. Yep. Uh, he walks out, and then we make... It gets clear. It gets made clear that the original X-Men are all quitting, uh, except for Cyclops. He, like, deliberates a little bit and decides he wants to stay on. He's going to be, like, the legacy member. Oh, and someone in our Slack channel pointed out, I, I need to point this out, on Giant Size X-Men, they kind of have this cool thing where, like, the new X-Men are in the foreground, and the mm-hmm. older team of X-Men is in the background, kind of uh, shaded out a little bit, and Cyclops is included in both the foreground and the background. <laughs> like, like, couldn't decide which group he was going to be yeah. in. Um, which I like, actually. I really like that Cyclops sticks around. Uh, I think, like, it's good to have a connection to the, the old legacy team. Um, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, he's kind of an interesting dynamic. Like, he's the only one who takes this really seriously. Uh, I mean, people make fun of Cyclops for being very stodgy. And, like, rightfully so to a degree. But he 
he plays a good straight man to, you know, everyone else's we, like wild tempers. He's very consistent. Like in this, him sticking around is a very Cyclops thing to do. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, you know, yeah, he's always been the one where like the rest of the X-Men are going out for a, uh, you know, a cream soda. And he's like, oh, I got to. Got a man cerebro tonight. Got <laughs> <laughs> to do these drills. He he's straight up like uh, in this. He gives up Jean Grey. Jean Grey's like I'm leaving, and oh, he's like, Well, get... I love you, but um, yeah. I love Professor you know? X more. <laughs> yeah, I need I need uh, you know, and there's something there like later writers and sometimes you know they're laying the groundwork for it here. So I give Claremont some credit for this. Yeah, of uh, pretty good characterization of Cyclops as somebody who does not know how to operate outside of the structure. Yeah, which I I think is a real well-observed personality trait because i know people like that uh primarily in academia yeah right? sure who can't who can't leave a school structure because they need attaboys and they need being told what to do i mean the the need for attaboys like definitely seems like his driving force at this point yeah that's that that, that definitely rings true to me are you noticing you're looking at my notes as well here yeah I, and i dictate them like i use you know google's voice to to text feature while i'm mm-hmm. reading to just uh, speak all these out. So I've got the uh, the creative team as Chris Claremont, Linwin, one word, and Dave Cockrum. So if you if you, the yeah. goblin, yeah. So yeah, help them. Linwin, the uh, the artist here or uh, the writer, yep. um, the writing orc. Yeah. So uh, this is again like okay, it's Chris Claremont jumping on the X Men, and I feel like I'm a, I'm a little surprised at how mediocre I felt about this. Yeah. So the, the main thrust of this is that like No Red has its secret mountain base. They call it the operational command of the most powerful war machine ever conceived. And in, in a very funny moment, like one of the security guards just gets a package and that package has a, it has a button, yeah. has a button inside that literally is labeled press me. Uh, and he's like, yeah. no, well, uh, I never went through any kind of training to what to do with a button. Yeah, I, uh, but- I slept during button week yeah. <laughs> during, uh, during boot camp. Yeah, you just see him on his, uh, you know, go- going through his mandated workplace training uh, and just kind of skimming the PowerPoint and guessing every guess on the quiz at the end of just like, I'm just trial and error my way through this quiz. Because, yeah, yeah. he immediately presses the button and it opens a portal to let through the Animen. Yep. Yeah, it's a, a coterie of morons uh, show up. Yep, yeah, and they uh, uh, are the. I mean, you would know better than he. Are the Animen? Are they mutants? One. Uh, I think. I think it says Nefaria no. created them. Yeah, they're 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 similar to the mutates. I don't think they're quite the same well, we, thing as the mutates, but because we've already seen this with the High Evolutionary. I don't know if you know him, yes. but like the High Evolutionary created his next men. I think they're called. Yes, and those are like animal people, right? And then we're gonna mm-hmm. see like the. Uh, the Morlocks, and a lot of them are like animal-ish, right? Like, yeah, so I, I don't the, know. The, the Morlocks are mutants, right? The, I, these, these guys are like genetic experiments. So it's and just it, these guys are very weird because their genetic experiment uh, nature is being held hostage against them. Yeah, right. Like they're all like, like I'm a, I'm a, a, a cat person. I still hiss and everything, but I also really want to be turned back into a human, and I'm very proud of my humanity as as opposed to mutants, like. Really splitting hairs here. Yeah, yeah, it, it feels very like I don't know. It feels unnecessary. Honestly, this could have been Count Nefaria and his group of thugs, and it would have been probably a little cleaner and better, right? It could have just been mm-hmm. like generic henchmen, and this would have worked better. Because I mean, the focus here is like this is a new team of X Men. Let's like yes. watch them work together. I don't need to be introduced to a and like a lobster yeah, like a psychic new... like. Well, <laughs> the, um, well, and uh, it's kind of silly because this is very specifically to me echoing X Men number one, where Magneto had a b- control of a bunch of nukes. Mm, right. You know? Yes. Yeah. That, no, that I didn't think of that. The, yeah. Introduced the Brotherhood of Mutants, who are important characters, and Magneto, and you know, Will Count Nefaria 
have the same place in the mythology. Right, in the, I am in well tell. the Magia, uh, or, which yeah. is like, we were afraid to say the Mafia or something. Yeah. yeah. Using yeah. Magia technology, which is just like the idea of somebody saying Mafia tech. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, bring that it's back to silly. the Mafia and it gets really dumb. Yeah, and these, yeah. these animen are nothing. They're just, they're literally half animal. And uh, did you clock how nasty this cat man was? I don't think I did. He I just, saw this in the notes. It, it's just that his upper, the upper half of his face is like blue cat fur, and that looks normal enough. Mm-hmm. But the bottom half of his face, he has like a long goatee and scruffy sideburns. So he just has this like, <laughs> re- like he needs a shave down below because he's got. It's like that weird combination of uh, like you know animal man plus like pale pink skin, right? It just yeah, looks like someone yeah. shaved your cat, but then you grew a human goatee. Yeah. <laughs> which is like, yeah. Oh, honestly, it is like it's got a little of that. Uh, you know, cat, cat's trailer vibe to it. Yeah, where it's yeah, just like, yeah, a little, little uncanny. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Oh, yeah you wanna... I, I also am disappointed, like, in this issue. Like, Claremont does get better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, significantly, even though he's far from, like, my favorite X-Men writer. But he gets a lot better. Um, and this issue, to me, felt very uh, kind of perfunctory. Like, we're still introducing the team, their dynamics from each other. The one thing that I will say that is a noticeable change from the last uh, issue is some of the um, like kind of pulp serial narration between scenes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of you know uh, like so the scene where they they the Blackbird gets destroyed, and they're all falling out of the air, and Cyclops is counting down the seconds. Right. Yeah. Like they're strategizing on how to not. Did you uh, Did you die. see this? I wrote down the entire yeah. quote of Nightcrawler because yep. he, he's in midair and they're just like Nightcrawler teleport, yep. and he says. I can teleport, yes, but if I teleport from this height, the law of conservation of energy demands uh, I will materialize with the same velocity I started. I will be killed regardless. Like, while six people are plummeting through the air, he gives that little, and they're just like, I understand, Nightcrawler. Uh, what I think the strategy should be now is, like, while they are plummeting, you know, the mountains they are... a ridiculous amount of time to do this. And yeah. they, they call I'm... it out. They're like, we have 90 seconds. Yeah, 90 yeah. seconds is a long time, oh, it, but it's still silly. It's very, well. like, anime time. Where, you know, yeah, like as yeah. the punch is being thrown, like four sentences get said back and forth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, they bust in, they disarm, they beat up the Animen. And if, I love this moment where uh, they beat up all the Animen and then John Proudstar, uh, a.k.a. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I, Thunderbird. Thunderbird, thank you. He goes after Count Nefaria, who's escaping. And Cyclops is like trying to stop this nuclear bomb from going off. And Professor X snaps at him and is like, mm-hmm. Cyclops, you fool. Like, don't worry about that. You already disabled it by like throwing it. Yeah, by throwing your bodies into it. <laughs> it but also like kind of calls him an idiot for not realizing that it's disarmed. Yeah. Just because like, wait, why didn't you realize that when you smash the monitor, <laughs> you also unplug the nuclear yeah. bomb? And uh, John Proudstar jumps onto this jet that Nefaria's on and he flies off and he just starts like punching <laughs> punching the jet <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. which also is thunderbird's power being strong i just realized i yeah, yeah. don't actually even really have a he like they don't say it he's like one of the very few characters and he didn't survive long enough into claremont's run where everyone declares their powers every issue. yeah right right yeah so, so he uh they show him he's introduced like wrestling a bull so right he's, yeah. he's strong he's fast he's agile yeah like, he's just kind of better human yeah which is it almost is, it almost feels like they had no plans for it like they knew this was happening superfluous and they're just he, like he the, like we don't need yeah. to write something we don't want to waste interesting powers on him because we're going to kill him in two issues well and it's so he's so weird right like so we you know he he dies taking down uh, oh i mean i love actually i love the fact i forgot about this he dies because he punches the jet until it explodes while he's on it 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it's his own to, fault. To prove, he just keeps punching it, yeah. To prove that the Apache are strong. Which, I mean, um, point proven, I guess. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, fuck you, Xavier, for negging him. Yeah, it. yeah, sure. But everyone acts like, I mean, Cyclops and Xavier are both, I don't know, really choked up about this as if, like, I don't know, I, I kind of feel like Thunderbird did it to himself. Like, there wasn't really anything they could do. No. I mean, he did When he's... He's not a good character from, like, a character... Like, he's just the hothead, and, like, it's real weird. His personality is basically the same as Sunfire's, except not quite angry enough to leave. Right, yeah. And then yeah, his yeah. power set is basically the same as Wolverine's, but without claws. Right, yeah. Like, yeah, and Wolverine gets to be the hothead here, which is kind of fun. Like, yeah. we, we get to see those, like, little bits of rebelliousness and mm-hmm. him clashing with Cyclops, which is going to be, like, their relationship from now on. Um, we get little hints of that. Also... We get none of his healing factor, which is interesting, yeah. like, the way that that's going to slowly creep in. Because, like, for a while it's going to be like, oh, yeah, he can take a knife, but it's still going to be, like, kind of a bummer. And then, you know, in, I don't know, 15 years, yeah. it's just going to be like, yeah, he, he can swallow a couple grenades. He'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, literally, yeah, coming back from, from drops of blood and stuff. Yeah. It's a, the, yeah, so this is, you know, basically they just kind of win. Count Nefaria's plan is dumb. Like, he, uh kind of he does the thing where like oh i meant this all along or he does the auto destruct on the base yeah like the plan was not to ransom every nation according to their ability to pay mm-hmm. but actually right. was the yeah. uh was to kill the x-men right um, which which they, they don't have long history like i read the other count nefaria issues and uh he usually fights the avengers so i don't know what's going on here yeah, yeah it seems like a very weird pull to like bring this yeah you know d-list villain in who has no history with them but kind of a lame lame issue yeah lame yeah yeah but yeah I, I, again i was kind of like oh we, we brought gary in for uh for these x-men <laughs> issues and then it was like these are these are kind of uh just so so huh yeah yeah well, it's okay they're still important right? yeah yeah like, sure this, you know, well you know i feel like this is a little less important than uh than oh, gi- totally. giant size was definitely important this felt a little superfluous but yeah, agreed <laughs> what is definitely important and definitely a, a team that I heard of before this morning and everyone knows of is the champions. Uh, yeah. They exist. Uh, I literally, the only note I have about this is actually writing down the roster because I had no context for like, these people know each other. Uh, it's They don't. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's very, uh, very defenders or very Avengers just in, they happen to all get pulled into a thing. You know what? Like even in comparison to the Avengers and the defenders first issues, this is just a mess. So the, yeah. the, the lineup is Angel, Black Widow, Ghost Rider, Hercules, Iceman, and eventually a woman named Venus, though I don't think she sticks around. Um, and mm-hmm. it's by Tony Isabella and Don Heck. So the art's kind of so-so. And, um, yeah, it's just like, there's a bunch of creatures from Olympus. They're like bursting through portals and it's like each one of these heroes individually faces off against some of them and then they kind of all find their way together and then they're like, want to team up? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sounds good to me. And then they kind of, I mean, they don't even really team up officially. It just kind of, uh, they're just all on the same, they get pushed together. They're at UCLA. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, this was like one of the most boring comics of the (laughs) seventies I've read. It's, it's pretty rough. Like it's a, uh, you know, there's some like it'd been a while since I've read something with Hercules. I think Hercules is a fun character. Hercules in Marvel is, comics. I I do love Hercules because he's just like Thor, but if he was really arrogant in a fun way, like oh, th- yeah. this actually does give one of the better. Do you do you want to do it? The the Hercules moment here. Oh no no go okay. go for it. I don't yeah. have it open yet. Okay, just uh... just where Hercules gets to uh like he starts out because he's giving a lecture at a college, and it's <laughs> that is true. It's, it's a it's a college course on like mythology. <laughs> And, uh, 
and he's just he got like booked by a speech guy. He got he got booked by somebody who books campus tours. And there's this whole scene where he's like, you got to help me, Hercules. You got to really knock it out of the park. And he's like, ha, 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 of course I will. Which just like, yeah, of course he will, though. Right. Like, because this is a, a class on Greek mythology and Hercules is going to be here to be like, yeah, and you landed Hercules. You're the best college speech guy that's ever been. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's a good point. And I mean, yeah. he's just going to get up there and talk about like all the sirens he's bedded. And oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's going to get like, it's going to be like, if you got, I don't know, like Mickey Rourke. <laughs> on like his live show uh yeah, if somehow yeah. that that got lined up and it's just a one-man show of mickey rourke talking about his his history in hollywood and uh yeah it's just gonna get really uncomfortable like people are gonna squirm in their seats because he's gonna it's gonna get it's gonna get sexual mm-hmm. um and yeah, yeah. so Herc- i mean that that is a good moment though that like hercules is very funny i, I mean i think that's what distinguishes him really from thor is just like how arrogant he is um mm-hmm. and generally that has worked for me um ghost yeah. rider is as always bafflingly boring for a character who's like entire structure everything about him is just like hell yeah that's awesome and then you look at him and it's just like there's nothing to you huh like yeah he's very bland we we uh, talk about this a lot but it's just like there's no there's not like the goat i mean because daredevil stinks at this point too like daredevil is no good through the 60s or 70s he's pretty boring until frank miller gets around so some Mm -hmm. characters just need that like author to that writer to like find the 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 core of the character i don't think ghostwriter ever gets that like he always just remains like cool idea unfulfilled which is yeah yeah unfortunate i would would definitely buy that i've never read a good ghostwriter story yeah and then uh black widow's here she's fine i mean it's it's strange she's a russian agent i don't know what she's doing here it's really weird for her to be on a team yeah especially a team with hercules and ghost rider right like i a a super spy team maybe but yeah yeah you know and and then uh you end up with iceman uh here who i love iceman yeah um it doesn't get a lot to do and then angel and i keep thinking you know i know this is an old joke but i just keep thinking like what is angel going to do for this team Mm. you can't you can't put angel on the same team as hercules and expect him to hold his own like you know angel doesn't have a lot going on in his early appearances he carried a shotgun right or like a bazooka god not that i know of but that sounds great i i've seen that i've seen um i've seen pictures of that uh of him having that yeah 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 uh not a super good issue um there's one more too that we skipped uh, that we did, which is giant size, fantastic. Film. Oh my god, I did just skip right over that. Oh, thank you. I was yeah. thinking, I was like, right. I feel like it was something. I, this this was yeah. actually kind of interesting. This was. <laughs> I, I like. Oh, here, I did you? This was really fun. Yeah, Len yeah. Wine got translated as Lin Wing here on Lin my. Wing. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah. is this is a lot of people here. It's Ling Wing. Ling Wing. Len Wine and Chris Claremont writing, and then John Buscema, Chick Stone, and Joe Sinat are all right are uh, doing the art here. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. this is fun. I don't think it's like I don't know incredible, but like it's a pretty solid issue of Fantastic Four, uh, where the Thing and Alicia are going out to a football game. I think, mm-hmm. and the Thing is wearing the most outlandish like seventies street clothes. Like, kind of looks like a black exploitation pimp outfit. Like, he's got yeah. a cane, he's got a big fur coat, and he's got like yeah. big like heels that definitely you know like make big clacking noises. Yeah. Um, Am- amazing stuff. And you just, you know, it starts with like the thing in this, I haven't read a bunch of 70s Fantastic Four, but my understanding is it's pretty fun. And uh, this seems pretty fun because the thing is just like a big punchy moron who destroys everything. Yeah, he's like his, the inciting incident is him destroying a subway before anything's in front of him. <laughs> right. He's just he trying just to catch the train. Yeah. He just, yeah. he just grabs it to halt it so that, and yeah. he rips the door off. I, I do love how like Alicia scolds him and he, uh, yeah. cause he, he's not like, you know, 
I don't know. He's not an out of control, like rage monster. He's just kind of impulsive. Oh, right. So he, yeah, he yeah. immediately feels shame, which is, you know, Paluka. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he, uh, yeah, seventies Fantastic Four has been kind of meh since Stan Lee left, but like the thing is definitely, I, I think he's like a fan favorite of everybody's because he's, he's the best character on the team by a mile. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah. So while they're on the train, the train gets stopped because someone jumped in front of the tracks. Uh, and the thing goes out to, <laughs> well, just. Real quick, yeah, how, yeah, how funny is it how angry the thing is about somebody trying to kill themselves? Oh, right. Yeah, no, like, he's he, he so is mad. Zero <laughs> sympathy. I mean, he doesn't yeah. even consider it as someone. He thinks it's some prankster yeah. or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a Yancey Street boy is going to kill themselves. I'm going to go punch God, him until the, they stop. The, the best stop rivalry in all of Marvel Comics is the thing versus Yancey Street, which is like, it's a prank war with a bunch of teen boys. And he's, <laughs> yeah, he's like, he, there, there was one point where, uh, where he talked about wanting to ask, because they're famous now, he wanted to ask the mayor if it was possible to, like, have one night with no laws so he could take care of Yancey Street. <laughs> like, he, he wanted the to. Purge. Exactly. Yep. The purge Yancey Street. <laughs> yeah. The, uh... And it's like, it's a bunch of 15-year-olds who just, like, pied him one too many times. <laughs> he's just gonna, like, the rage monster. Like, he's not a rage monster, but just kind of the, like, listen, you have super strength. You fight the Hulk. You have to stop this. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You not internalize this. Oh, I mean, it, it's a running thing that he regularly destroys Reed's experiments and, like, incredibly expensive equipment just because Johnny Storm, you know, ticks him off. And so he throws, you know, million-dollar equipment across the room or tears doors off or, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, so he goes out to the front of the train and there's this guy on the tracks in this green know, superhero outfit. And the guy seems kind of confused, right? Like, he's mm-hmm. a little spacey and the thing attacks him <laughs> right again like yeah. the thing doesn't really have any sympathy or like clo- no one delays my train right he doesn't clock that the guy that like is you know i, I don't know madrix this is madrix the multiple man he's characterized really oddly here and i don't know if that's intentional right like sometimes he comes across as like a little lost boy but then other times he's I, like oh you crossed me that will be the death of you and yeah, and i couldn't I, quite make out like is he a bad guy is he short-tempered is he like naive he's suffering from energy poisoning i think yeah 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 kind of felt like he was a little like you know drunk or groggy or something um yeah yeah so like it when the thing attacks him he keeps splitting into multiple people which is like a cool power that's a cool idea one of the coolest powers in comics yeah yeah i love this power yeah and i i i want to see a lot more of this guy like he doesn't get too much in depth here but uh yeah so the fantastic four starts fighting him and there's something about like he's sapping the energy out of the power grid right is but i didn't quite out of new york yeah yeah like so like i didn't quite get that is that a madrox like power he just pulls energy Mm. out of things or is that his suit i think it's the suit in this it's very confusing the suit thing made no sense because they talk about like he's starting to multiply out of control because his suit's busted but what they need to do to stop him is to unplug the suit so it's like but that but he's been multiplying as well and the idea of the suit was to stop him from so like if you take off if you like decommission the suit why is that yeah that i feel like they just got that wrong (laughs) like there's not an explanation i feel like they just said it wrong it's also the the power from the city that the suit is grabbing makes him super strong yeah because because madrox is not super strong okay he's just a guy yeah yeah that was another Um, thing i didn't get if like when he multiplied he got strong because i mean i thought actually it would be cool if every time he split he got a little weaker a little weaker yeah yeah yeah. i don't know if that becomes a thing but that's that's an interesting idea it's like he can continually split but each one will get like a little uh you know a little woozy yeah the uh, the my guess and i have no idea what was actually going on in the writer's room or whatever yeah is that uh they needed him to take a punch from the thing 
Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Because otherwise, like, you know, it would have to be just Reed or something. Yeah, because yeah, he wouldn't be able you know, to take Reed, them all on. Reed's not going to be out and about. Like, you could have done Johnny Storm uh, as the person who's out and about. But, like, Reed and Medusa don't go out. Right. Really, I bet. Yeah. Uh, and Johnny Storm would have had a different temperament. Like, they just wanted to start it with a thing. Yeah. Yeah, so the the thing is that the Fantastic Four go out to, uh, you know, to stop this Madrix guy who's sapping the power grid. They're in the middle of a fight with him when Professor X shows up in a... <laughs> A helicopter and then just yeah. falls out of the helicopter he gets beamed down until the beam gets its energy and it's sucked out. like it's amazing and it happens for no reason yeah. except for i think the thing catches him uh yeah and i don't know why it happened it just is like a moment of just like well good thing that the thing was there or that's the end of professor x i guess like uh it, it felt like uh like slapstick to me i, I don't know yeah it was i mean it's a funny moment like i love i mean those are honestly some of the best moments of the silver age where you're just like what i don't i don't understand why like this happened why this it's like i don't think you think it's a joke but it definitely reads like one yeah yeah Yeah. it's silly yeah and then it's the good kind of silly yeah yeah and then he makes the weirdest face like the art here does not work because he makes like a really constipated face at madrox there's like four panels of his face side by side Mm -hmm. and like by the last panel of this like he just looks really really plugged up uh yeah yeah and i I, I, yeah i think they they were not quite uh getting the look they were going for but he you know he basically knocks out the rest of the uh oh is that sorry is that that. the frankenstein no this is louder than frankenstein this is actually uh it doesn't good lord yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is as loud as this has ever been this is i live uh across the street from a coffee shop that is motorcycle themed okay and motorcycle people hang out there sometimes so so they're just showing off my guess is what this is what is happening? It's sa- shooting Rebel Without a Cause 2 outside my house now. It absolutely sounds like uh, the Fast and the Furious is happening at your house. So this is coming through my kitchen window. Uh-huh. I have my main window closed. Let me go close it. Okay. If, uh, yeah. Oh. Because oh. Oh. we don't have that much left. So we might be able to get through it. I apologize. No, no. It's fine. I mean, I, it, it, it's so silly. It's uh, okay. Anywho. It's, it's part of the part of the, 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 part of the, the whole thing. Yeah. It's like a Silver Age uh, podcast. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, we. I guess we are kind of done because Professor X kind of stops madrix they turn off his suit which turns it on or something and uh yeah that's the end of him and i think professor x is gonna like kind of take him away but i don't think he becomes like part of the x-men i don't really know what happens to him for a while uh i wonder if this i mean you might know but this probably uh probably comes up at some point someone's gonna play with this at some point yeah he shows up later yeah 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 which is like cool i remember him showing up in the ultimate x-men in a really interesting way he's like professor x's secret agent something like that Mm -hmm. like and that that's really fun but uh they do amazing things with it with him as like a character like he gets his own uh, series at one point and it's really really phenomenal oh cool okay yeah Um, yeah yeah, he's he's a great character like uh they do you know he doesn't he's not characterized like this at all yeah but what they do what's kind of interesting is and sometimes i'll feel a little bit of shame about like being into characters for their superpowers i mean because it feels like something a kid would do yeah no it's i mean Uh, it's fun fun it's fun yeah like i you know i'm not that's who i am i'm not gonna apologize for it too much the um and uh what they do is they kind of make some extrapolations of personality based on his really cool power set okay yeah well i mean that's the uh, best way to do it right like yeah yeah like what what kind of power would this person have right yeah when you do those personality things that come out of that, right? Like, so you take like somebody like Storm, who's claustrophobic, mm-hmm. like she was a nature goddess, right? Like she was outside, you know, and, and it's like, makes sense for her to be not like enclosed spaces. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know, and that's just, uh, it's neat. Yeah. 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 It's that's that, Yeah. I mean, those, those are the best characters where they're like their powers and their characterization, like their, their powers work mm-hmm. as theming for their, their character yeah. in some interesting ways. They end up with like 
Wolverine like getting into meditation in part because he has to deal with like the healing factor. Like it hurts when he gets injured, mm-hmm. even though he'll live through it. So you have to deal with a lot of pain. So he gets like into like meditation. Oh, and that's, stuff. that's news to me. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. It's neat. Um, yeah, yeah, this was great. I, uh, yeah, yeah this really was fun. This was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> again, this is, this is a weird batch to bring a guest on, but like, I'm, I mean, I'm super impressed with how much you, uh, you dove right in. So, oh, yeah. Um, uh, I, I, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, put a gun to my head to, to read, uh, you know, X Men comics. Yeah. Like, kind of regardless from the era, like, I'm down anywhere. So, um, yeah. So, anyone who wants to check out Gary farther, cause he's, uh, I don't know, been, uh, re- really rival Dave for, Delightful. Uh, for, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, he, uh, you can check him out on his shows. I'm gonna say, oh, man. It's like, it's going to be hard for me to list them all because I listen to a lot of your shows. It's got Watch Out for Fireballs, which is like a video game book club podcast. Really incredible stuff. I think you guys are like doing your absolute best work right now that you've been doing oh, for years. Like your, uh, the episode you just did on Wolfenstein was like real chef's kiss. Like just, thank just you. good stuff. Um, they, uh, Bonfireside Chat about the Dark Souls series. It's Monster in my podcast. Really fun D&D based, like, short form episodes about, uh, the Monster Manual. That's, uh, going through Monster Manuals, one monster at a time. Everything to Guppy, which is a really, really interesting, very specific show for Binding of Isaac fans who like a very specific type of comedy. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I don't know if you want it's me to. Yeah, no, that, that one's good. Yeah. But your kind of more general comedy show is Abject Suffering, which is a bad games podcast. Love that. Now, now I'm just going. I don't, oh, yeah. Let me, let me. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, File Underwater. Let's get in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Please listen to File Underwater. What is it? Uh, um, Valhalla. No. What's Dead Valhalla? Dead Valhalla. Dead Valhalla. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 uh, I actually that I wish I had thought about that joke of just introducing you of uh, Gar- Gary Butterfield of Dead Idea of a Hall of Fame. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, for for listeners of this show, uh, Days of Future. Yes, is probably yeah, the the one I should have mentioned, which is the most directly linked into here. Um, yeah. You can you can find all those at duckfeed.tv in case you don't want to remember. Yes, yeah, yeah. Them individually. Yep, yeah, yeah. All all highly recommended. So that was 1975 Part 1. We'll be back next week with 1975 Part 2. Uh, the uh, As always, you can find our reading lists at MyMarvelousYear.com or at our Patreon for the $1 level. Um, let's see, what else? I'm sorry, Dave usually like does a lot of this. This is uh, <laughs> stepping in for him. Um, and our music for the episode is by Disasterpiece. You can check out his stuff on Spotify or YouTube or wherever you find his stuff. Uh, I think that's I think that's about it. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will see you next year. Let's see you next year.